millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Languedoc is a coastal region of southern France, extending from the Pyrenees Mountains to the Provence. It is a popular tourist destination thanks to its warm climate, beautiful scenery and rich history. In particular, it boasts wonderfully evocative medieval castles such as Carcassonne, Monseigneur and Chateau Lastor. But for all their beauty, to me, these fortifications have a rather sombre atmosphere, almost as if they are haunted. For they are the scenes of some of the greatest atrocities of the medieval age, the extermination of a religious group called the Cathars, and with it the eradication of a culture that refused to conform to the ideas of traditional medieval feudalism or the church in Rome. In the High Middle Ages, Languedoc was prosperous and culturally advanced, but its wealth attracted the attentions of ambitious leaders. The Frankish kings to the north, the English Plantagenets to the west, the increasingly powerful Spanish to the south, and the papacy. The region stood at a crossroads. Welcome to a history of Europe. Key battles. The Battle of Muret of the year 1213, and the Albigensian Crusade, part one of three. In previous episodes on the battles of Chateau Gaillard and Bouvines, we saw the centralisation of power in France under the leadership of Philip II Augustus, when he brought under his authority regions such as Normandy, Anjou, Blois, and Champagne. In the 10th and 11th centuries, the dukes and counts of these regions had in theory been vassals to the king in Paris, but in practice had acted as independent rulers. Particularly after the Battle of Bouvines in 1214, Philip was able to assert far greater authority from Paris over these principalities. The situation was very different, however, in the south of France, in an area called Languedoc, also known as Occitania, and it is here where the most widespread of heresies of the High Middle Ages emerged among a people called the Cathars. This triggered the First Crusade, which was targeted not towards Muslims or pagans, but towards fellow Christians, what we today call the Albigensian Crusade. The region of Languedoc stretches along the Mediterranean coast from the Pyrenees Mountains and border with Spain in the west up to the Rhone Delta in the east. In the 12th and 13th centuries, the term represented not just a geographic region, but a distinct culture and even language. 
Indeed, its very name is derived from the name of the language used there. Langdok, the place where the word ok, rather than we, is used to mean yes. The Counts of Toulouse had emerged as the most powerful of the rulers of the region, and in theory possessed lands almost as extensive as those of the French crown. In practice, however, they had not been able to create the same network of feudal obligations as had been achieved in the north, so their effective control over the lesser nobility was quite limited. In theory, the Counts of Toulouse were vassals of the King of France, but in practice the ties were not so strong. Also, certain parts of their domain were held in fief from the King of England, an equally distant and theoretical sovereign. In addition, certain important vassals of the Count also owed allegiance to the King of Aragon and others to the Holy Roman Emperor in Germany. The independence of the region could only be preserved by trying to balance the influence of these more powerful rulers. The situation was inherently precarious, and the local nobility in a vulnerable situation. The Counts of Toulouse had been heavily involved with the Crusades since Count Raymond IV, who in 1098 was one of the leaders of the First Crusade. Raymond and his family, the Saint-Gilles, made a significant contribution to the Crusader states, but at the cost of losing authority in their native lands. Neighbouring powers and viscounts within the region took advantage of the absence of the Count by seizing control of some of his towns and castles. By 1194, when Raymond VI became the new Count, large areas of Languedoc were outside his control. Throughout the 12th century, his family had struggled unsuccessfully against the growing power of a rival family, the Trencavals, who had become Viscounts of Carcassonne and Béziers. The young Viscount, Raymond Roger Trencaval, born in 1185, was in vassalage to the King of Aragon, as well as to the Count of Toulouse. His lands covered a very significant area in west-central Languedoc, stretching from the Mediterranean coast northwards to the town of Albi, which gives its name to the Albigensian Crusade. The King of Aragon, meanwhile, held the important southern cities of Montpellier and Arles in eastern Languedoc. To add to the lack of unity, individual towns and cities enjoyed a relatively high degree of independence from any outside control. They were governed by consuls, directly elected among the city nobility and bourgeoisie, one example of how southern France retained more of its ancient Roman heritage than the north. It was a system in stark contrast to the strict hierarchies that held sway in northern France. Despite a lack of political cohesion, the region prospered economically, based upon the manufacture of cloth and leather, as well as on trade. Toulouse and other towns in the area benefited from overland trading routes, extending from the Mediterranean and the west coast of France, towards Britain. I say overland because it was not until the late 
13th century, after the Christian conquest of most of southern Spain, that Christian ships could sail safely through the Straits of Gibraltar and open up trade routes from the Mediterranean to the Atlantic coast. The towns of southern France were at least as wealthy as those in the north. The larger ones, such as Narbonne, Avignon, Montpellier and Béziers, as well as Toulouse, were great centres of learning and could boast schools of medicine, philosophy, mathematics and astronomy. In Toulouse, lessons included recent discoveries made by Arab philosophers at a time when such material was banned by the ecclesiastical authorities in Paris. Another sign of the South's tolerance was their treatment of Jews, who enjoyed more freedoms than those in the North. One more sign of the flourishing culture was the emergence of the troubadours in the courts of the southern nobles, entertainers who wrote and sang poetry on courtly love. All in all, Languedoc at the beginning of the 13th century comes across as possessing a remarkably open and tolerant society. While bringing many benefits, this had its dangers. Without the strict control from the nobility and clergy that existed elsewhere in Christendom, they began to develop sects of religious beliefs, out of line with the doctrines of the official Roman Church. Given that the Pope's legitimacy was founded on his claim of supreme religious authority, that only he and the men of his church were able to interpret the word of God, any deviations from the official faith could not be at all tolerated. Anyone who signed up to a variation of Christianity that did not toe the official line was branded a heretic and must be shown the errors of their ways. The strain of heresy which became most popular in southern France in the 11th and 12th centuries was called Catharism and its adherents given the name of Cathars. Unfortunately, since their writings have not survived, we have to rely on their enemy, the Catholic Church, to help understand their beliefs. It should also be borne in mind that there was unlikely to be only one form of Catharism, given the intellectual openness of the time. The word Cathar comes from the Greek, meaning pure. Cathars believed in dualism, that is, the spiritual world, created by God, was good, while the physical world, created by the devil out of envy for the celestial world, was evil. Matter, it followed, was evil, and the creation of more matter was to be deplored. The ideal believer would therefore be chaste, eat little, and deny himself excessive physical pleasure. The Roman Church, in comparison, by accepting lands and wealth, had compromised with both the world and the devil. Cathars disagreed with the Catholics and other teachings. For example, they believed in neither hell nor purgatory, and also not in the humanity of Christ. Catharism shares the ideas of dualism with a heresy called Bogomilism that arose in Bulgaria and then spread westwards. This new religion gained ground, especially in Serbia and in Bosnia, where it even briefly became the official state religion in 1199. Historians, though, are divided over whether the Cathars actually were an offshoot of the Bogomils or whether the two developed separately. 
By the 12th century, several different forms of heresy were more or less tolerated by local authorities in many areas of Europe where central control was weak, such as in the Balkans and in several cities in northern and central Italy. It was in southern France, particularly in the region of Alibi, where religious free-thinking was most prevalent. But not all heretics were Cathars. Many belonged to various reforming sects, which the Church would have probably been able to draw within its orbit by means of a more liberal policy. Instead, more moderate reform movements would end up being confused with the great central heresy, Catharism. The local clergy of Languedoc, worried by the size of the problem, at first responded by trying to intimidate the Cathars. But by this time the heresy had become so widespread that it was openly preached in many towns of the region. It became popular among people of all levels of society, from the poorest to some of the nobility. Its spiritual leaders were called the perfect, who won admiration for their lifestyle of extreme austerity and renunciation of the world, which included abstaining from eating meat and avoiding all sexual contact. Numbering in the several thousands, they regarded themselves as spiritual shepherds responsible for large communities. Large segments of the population, appalled by the decadence of the local Catholic leaders, turned to this alternative church, which over time grew in confidence and level of organisation. The response of the papacy was at first to engage in a dialogue with the leaders of the dissidents, and then as the beliefs became clearer and the Cathars organisation became stronger, routinely condemn both the heretics and those perceived as their protectors. Legates were appointed to the region to find out the nature of the problem and advise on a solution. However, by the time Innocent III became Pope in January 1198, Catharism was widespread and had become deeply embedded in southern society and also part of a sense of regional identity. Pope Innocent has already appeared in several previous episodes of A History of Europe, Key Battles, especially on the Fourth Crusade. He became Pope unusually young in his late thirties at a time when the papacy had become an important political force in Europe. He was passionate about the recovery of the Holy Land in the Middle East to Christian hands and also the removal of division and heresy within Christendom. At first, the Cathars of Languedoc were only part of the more general problem of dissident and heretical groups. Innocent was by no means automatically prejudiced against novel activities, as shown later in his reign when he approved the brotherhood of a radical preacher, Francis of Assisi, who brought it into the Catholic fold. But his tolerance only extended so far. Already in the first year of his papacy, Innocent sent two legates to Languedoc on a general mission to preach against heresy. They were to excommunicate heretics and their supporters, and to urge rulers to cooperate. As the extent of the problem became increasingly apparent, it attracted more and more of his attention. By 1204, the two legates operating in the region were Peter of Castelnau and Arnold Anmerich, 
both men determined to carry out the religious duty of rooting out heresy by whatever means necessary. In their mission they regularly clashed with nobles and clergymen, who they felt were not assisting as much as they should, or perhaps were even sympathetic to the Cathars. Particular efforts were made by Innocent and his legates to bring into line Raymond V, Count of Toulouse, as the most prominent prince in the region. Raymond repeatedly made promises to pursue the heretics and comply with the Pope's demands, but then proved either unwilling or incapable of doing so. Given the lack of direct control that Raymond enjoyed over his subjects, it is most likely that he was unable to carry out all the demands of the Church, whether or not he would have liked to or not. He was forced into trying to walk a thin line between satisfying the demands of the Church while at the same time avoiding confrontation with his own people. His actions could be interpreted as weakness and indecisiveness, but most probably he found himself by chance in an impossible situation, unable to please everyone. As the sovereign of the people, he naturally felt compelled to identify himself with his people's cause, and in return was a popular figure. The historian Zoe Oldenburg writes of him, quote, With all his faults and weaknesses, he remains human to the end, especially when contrasted with adversaries whom bigotry, fanaticism, ambition or plain ignorance had robbed of all humane qualities. In an age when people were judged and condemned according to the conduct of their princes, Count Raymond had committed a crime which carried out such dire consequences that it was impossible to let him go scot-free. He had been a tolerant ruler. End quote. Perhaps we shouldn't go too far in imagining the region as completely free of intolerance, but I think Raymond should be given some credit for his moderation. Heresy had become so widespread by the beginning of the 13th century that fulfilling every request from the papal legates would have entailed burning people by the thousand, and the Count was not prepared to do this. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Towards the end of 1207, the papal legate Peter of Castelnau had managed to establish a league of southern barons, the purpose of which was to hunt down heretics. At Christmas, he visited the Count of Toulouse and tried to persuade him to join. Instead, the two men quarrelled and the legate excommunicated Raymond. Raymond backed down as he had done so several times before and agreed to submit, but the intense animosity between the two parties was clear to see. On the 15th of January, 1208, Peter and his entourage left the court. 
On his way back to Rome, while waiting for a ferry to cross the Rhone, he was attacked by a follower of Count Raymond, most likely acting independently. Peter was stabbed in the back with a lance and died very quickly. For Pope Innocent, the murder of his personal legate was a terrible insult to his authority, reminiscent of the murder of Thomas Becket. His patience with Raymond was exhausted, and in his wrath he declared the launch of a new crusade against the Cathar heretics and those who supported them. More than a century after Urban II's call to arms for what became the First Crusade, the custom of crusading had become firmly established among the nobility. The majority of the crusaders to the Holy Land had been French, from the south no less than the north. One of the great attractions was the granting of indulgences by the church, so that anyone who took part in a crusade not only won forgiveness for his sins, but also had the chance to acquire both fame and fortune. However, the recent series of defeats for the Christian crusader states tended to discourage would-be adventurers. It is therefore not surprising that the Pope's appeal met with such favourable reception among the people of northern France, who suddenly had the opportunities to enjoy the benefits of crusading without the risks and hardships of travelling to and fighting in the Middle East. The most senior nobles who signed up for the crusade against the Cathars were Odo II, Duke of Burgundy, and Erve IV, Count of Nevers. Another notable participant, the individual who would end up being its military leader, was Simon de Montfort, a mid-ranking noble who had earlier fought in the Fourth Crusade, but abandoned the campaign in protest at it being redirected against fellow Christians. Simon was a courageous warrior and wholly devoted to God's service. Physically, he was tall and strong, and personality-wise, is said to have been amiable, modest and well-mannered. In combat, he gained a reputation for the calculated audacity of his attacks in being willing to risk his life. Such traits inspired great loyalty among his band of followers. As well as owning land near Paris, he was the titular Earl of Leicester, although because of the war between King John and King Philip II of France, could not visit his English lands. However, he maintained his claim, which was eventually taken up by his youngest son, also called Simon, who became Earl of Leicester and went on to lead a famous rebellion against King Henry III of England. Pope Innocent also did his best to recruit Philip II of France to the crusade, but the king was too preoccupied at the time consolidating his recent capture of Normandy and still engaged in the conflict with King John of England, which would only be resolved two years later at the Battle of Bouvines. While the crusaders were busy preparing for war, Innocent III was still in private negotiation with Count Raymond of Toulouse. Alarmed by the prospect of a crusader army directed against him, Raymond promised to make a complete submission on the condition that he could discuss terms with someone other than the legate Arnold Amaric. The relation between the two men had grown very hostile and embittered, but if Raymond was hoping to have to deal with less rigorous judges, he was soon to be proved wrong. The terms imposed by the church were severe. In a humiliating ceremony of public apology, the Count, wearing a 
penitent's garb with a cord around his neck, was brought into the main square of the town of Saint-Gil, and stripped to the waist. Here he swore allegiance to the Pope and the legates, before being marched into a church, beaten by a bundle of birch twigs as he went. Among the conditions of Raymond's submission was that he must offer his apologies to every bishop and abbot with whom he was in conflict, relinquish his rights over all bishoprics and religious houses throughout his realm, rid himself of all mercenaries who he deployed to defend his territory, no longer entrust any Jew with public office and give up his practice of protecting heretics and deliver them to the crusade. Despite Raymond's submission, the crusade went ahead anyway, but now targeted on the lands of the Viscount of Béziers and Carcassonne, Roger Raymond Trancaval, who is nephew of Raymond and only 23 years old. The Count of Toulouse had tried to come to an accord with his nephew during the previous winter with the possibility of an alliance against the Crusaders. Raymond Roger had declined the offer, however, determined to resist any interference from Toulouse in his realm. He hoped he could rely upon his other overlord, King Peter II of Aragon, but that turned out to be a terrible miscalculation, as the young Viscount soon found himself very exposed. The Crusader army arrived at the town of Béziers on the 21st of July, 1209, and camped outside its walls. Hostilities had begun in earnest. Thank you for listening, and please join me again next week for the next part of the story of the Albigensian Crusade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.